Welcome to the Leading Real Change podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jacqueline Kerr, an expert in workplace culture change. From my unique background in behavior science, public health, and community advocacy, I help corporate leaders with evidence-based individual team and organizational change to create thriving workplace cultures for all. In the Leading Real Change podcast, I interview dedicated and passionate change makers about their careers, how they lead change, and what leaders can do today to make a difference, to build healthy, inclusive workplace cultures for all. I'm excited to share these examples of real workplace change with you. You'll learn about effective strategies that are working and how to overcome real barriers to change that challenge us every day. I hope you'll feel inspired and more confident to keep leading change in your workplace. Please share this podcast with other HR, DEI or ERG leaders who you know are working hard but are struggling to have an impact and need more support to effectively create a thriving workplace culture for all today. My name is Dr. JB. I am the Metaverse Doc. I am a board-certified emergency medicine doctor working in Florida. I'm a mother of two young children and a wife. And so my hands are pretty, pretty full. All these different hats we wear, it's really challenging. So tell me a little bit about that. How is your career shaped in any way by motherhood or by burnout? So Burnout amongst healthcare professionals is a big problem. But in addition to burnout, the other thing that healthcare professionals are experiencing is a mental health crisis with suicide amongst healthcare professionals being very high. And so the rates of the suicide for doctors is around between 300 and 400 doctors a year. And these are not new numbers. And truthfully, the concern is that these numbers may actually increase because of COVID. And so my story in terms of my journey into this whole wellness world and sphere really started a couple years ago when I was working as an emergency medicine doctor, I'm still working as an emergency medicine doctor. So I guess I shouldn't have said was, because I still am. You never um, take anything off your plate, right? <laughs> there you go, right? But my story actually started in the realm of social wellness. And so I was an ER doctor working at a different hospital. And one day the hospital had doctors come in and feed the employees. So volunteer time to go ahead and serve breakfast to the employees. It was either, I think it was for Thanksgiving. And so I came in and for a good three or four hours, we were serving breakfast. And I remember I was positioned between a radiologist and a nephrologist or a kidney specialist. And the nephrologist that I was next to was one that it was challenging to talk to when you had to call them to give them a consult, meaning, hey, I have a patient that I need your services are going to get admitted to. If there are any healthcare professionals listening to this, we all understand it. There are some consultants that are more challenging, not even just healthcare professionals. Like there are people in your life that you interact with that are a little bit more challenging to interact with than others. And so this was one of those situations. Every time we'd call, I'd be like, oh my goodness. Okay, fine. Let me talk to that person. 
But here we are serving breakfast, not doing anything medically related, right? And just giving of our time and serving. And we're talking to each other and getting to know each other better. And that interaction completely transformed our relationship to the point where I no longer rolled my eyes when I was like, okay, let me talk to this person. I was like, oh, great. This person's on. Okay, let's talk. And even when that person would give me pushback on the patient being like, does this patient really need to come and whatnot? It was more jovial because I would just laugh it off. It really transformed our relationship. And I thought to myself, we need more opportunities as healthcare professionals to be able to get together on a more social basis and not just a, here's some work for you to do, here's some work for you to do. And so I spoke with my chief of staff about the idea of having more social engagement opportunities instead of just like the one Christmas party we have a year or whatnot. And he said, that's a wonderful idea. Go ahead and plan it. So I was like, okay, sure. So I went ahead and planned these retreats. I had it all worked out in my mind and even had the location and prices and all that stuff set up. And then I sent it to him, but then COVID hit. And so all of those things took a backseat burner as we tried to really get through this pandemic. And so that was my initial step into this whole wellness world. The second thing that happened was as I was working and taking care of patients one day in the emergency department, Dr. Lorna Breen, and I'm not sure how many of your listeners know who she is, but she is an emergency medicine doctor who died by suicide early in the pandemic. And I knew Lorna or Dr. Breen. I knew Dr. Breen personally because she was an attending at the hospital where I completed my residency. And so I spent four years working side by side her. And so I was on a shift when I happened to look down on my phone and saw on CNN the announcement about her death. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I didn't know. In that moment, I did not realize the extent of the mental health crisis amongst healthcare professionals. And as I dug into it, I realized that this is not a new phenomenon, that this has been an ongoing issue for years and years, that we lose a med school class size of doctors. I don't know the statistics for the other medical professionals like nurses and respiratory therapists and things like that. I don't know those numbers. Those numbers actually are pretty hard to come by, but for doctors, I know those numbers. And we lose a med school size class every single year. So the question was, what do you do? What do you do next? So the one thing that I realized about this suicidality is the feeling of loneliness, feeling isolated, alone. You're the only one. Life would be better off without me, things like that. And I wanted to try to address that and let people know that you're not the only person that's feeling however it is that you are feeling. Because in healthcare, we don't have a lot of opportunities in the day to really be able to express those types of feelings. As the doctor, right? I put on my white coat and I am all knowing, right? I need to exude confidence because no patient wants a doctor who is not confident taking care of them, right? And so you put on this air like you have it all together 
when you may not have it all together. So where are you able to be able to take off this white coat and take off this mask and be your real self, your true self, your imperfect self? Because we are all imperfect. And so the first thing I launched was my podcast, my Hope for Med podcast, because I thought this would be the quickest way for me to get stories of healthcare professionals to the ears of stories of other healthcare professionals, because stories are important. You connect with other people through shared storytelling and listening. And sometimes you can see yourself in other people's shoes and learn lessons through others, through stories. So they're extremely important. And the act of telling your story actually also makes you feel better too. So it's kind of a a real win-win scenario. So that's what I launched. And so I reached out to different healthcare professionals and invited them onto my podcast with the goal to just really give them the spotlight to talk about themselves and their journey and the ups and the downs, the real story, not the stuff that you see on TV, the Grey's Anatomy drama, medical drama shows, none of that, the real story. And I found that this was a gift, not only for the person telling it, but for the person listening who may be in a similar situation and for the learners, those people that were interested in going into medical school or nursing school or whatnot, to listen to these stories, to be able to enter into this field with their eyes wide open, because this is not a perfect field. There's good and there's bad and there's things that need to be improved but at least you would have these stories to help you and help guide you along your journey. And so I had the podcast for about a year and started thinking, I need to do more. These stories are great, right? But it's really just like a one-way conversation. And I, I wanted to be able to connect with people on a group level, right? Because I'm all about, you're not alone. And so one-on-one still feeds into that, it's just you kind of thing, right? And truthfully, a lot of the wellness programs and initiatives out there are very individualized focused. And it's like, no, we are social beings and we grow by connecting with other people. A couple of things, going back to my podcast, a couple of things that I did on the podcast or offered on the podcast was, I understand that healthcare professionals, there is a continuum in terms of people's comfort levels, in terms of talking about sensitive issues and topics, especially as healthcare professionals. And so I allowed for people to be anonymous if they so chose. So I didn't have to use their name or anything. And I even changed their voice around, really, because it was really all about getting the story out there. And some people took me up on it, other people didn't, but I gave people the choice. And I think having a choice is very important. And so with that, as I thought about, okay, how can I expand this and do more? Is there a platform where I could allow for us to get together as a group, but also allow for some anonymity if they so chose? Can we do that? And that's when I started learning about the metaverse. And so when you use that word metaverse, a lot of people are like, what is the metaverse? Is this meta? Is this Facebook? And and the answer is, Not really, right? Facebook is creating a metaverse, right? Or a virtual world, the virtual experiences. But there are a lot of different virtual experiences out there currently that you can engage in. And the other word you hear a lot is like Web3 as the future of the internet. 
And with Web3, it's essentially using the internet in a more immersive experience or creating more immersive experiences through the internet. And so in these virtual worlds, you engage as an avatar, a cartoon figure of yourself. And I loved that because it fulfilled the two things that I was looking for. I wanted people to be able to get together, but be anonymous. Can you create a community even if you're somewhat anonymous? Yes. Yes, you can. And so in these virtual world experiences, you can dress your avatar however you want to dress your avatar. And you are the one that moves and manipulates that avatar. So I know that there is a person behind that avatar. You are speaking through that avatar. And so we launched Hope for Med (laughs) membership sites that allows for the healthcare professionals to get together as a group of avatars to be able to talk about some of these sensitive topics. And so the avatar, the virtual one I chose to go with is one where the avatar will never look exactly like you. Some of the virtual worlds, you can actually take your picture of your face and plaster it on an avatar. And I thought like that kind of went against the whole anonymity piece right? And so you could name your avatar, whatever you want to name your avatar. So you can name your avatar, your name, your real name, right? Or you can name your avatar sheets or paper or light bulb or whatever. Just know that we will address you as light bulb or like, Hey, light bulb, you have a question? So yeah, that is like a different, a more unique way of engaging with other people that I launched back in May of 2022 on the one-year anniversary of having the podcast. Oh my goodness, what a journey. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for all those details. I'm trying to think where to begin. Again, like you, I really value stories. And from that perspective too, that social learning is the best way we can learn. It's such an important part of what we do. That's why groups are so important. And that's one thing I'm trying to start to offer this year as well, because it really is that process of when we get stuck in individual change, it's so shameful. And and then we fail and we never got an accountability partner to make it easier. We never got social support to make it easier because we're hiding this change and we don't want to tell people in case we do fail, yet we're setting ourselves up to fail. (laughs) And then you don't get the benefit, not only of all that support and accountability, but if you actually are doing it in these group ways, you are, you're learning so much from the other people. You can learn, oh, I don't have that problem. Hey, thank goodness. Or I have that problem. How did you get over it? Oh, I'm going to give that a try. So I agree that dynamic nature. And then when you're doing good, the also dynamic nature of social learning is somebody else can also positively reinforce you and say, great job. Oh my God, you've changed. Can you see how much you've changed? Because sometimes you can't even see it yourself. So yeah, absolutely. From my behavior change science background, that's exactly where we need to be going. But I think it's so important that you've addressed this very important, which I also consider a systems problem, which is the lack of psychological safety. So many organizations trying to make change towards either burnout or diversity, equity, inclusion, 
and they don't have psychological safety to start with. So people do not want to share their experiences, yet that sharing of their experiences, sharing of stories, and particularly leaders sharing stories of struggles and overcoming problems and making mistakes, all those things, that leadership vulnerability is such an important part of psychological safety. So I'm so excited that you found this solution to it, because when I work with companies, that's one of the things I try to do is gather stories from the beginning so that they can then really see it from within their organization. But they have to be anonymous. And so again, sometimes companies use actors to create vignettes of what's going on in a company so that you can have that anonymity. But then you lose the live interaction and response and the learning that's real time. So I love that you've conquered both. So that's just fantastic. I'm excited. So tell me a little bit more about who's using this solution and some of the benefits you're seeing. Yeah. So the Hope for Med membership site is open to licensed healthcare professionals. And so I've been hosting events there for nurses and doctors and whatnot. And the first couple of events, I actually started off with just game nights in the metaverse. So the slogan for Hope for Med and all the work that I do in the metaverse is something to look forward to. And so I try to create events that's not just, oh, this is another thing I have to do, right? Because if you are working with somebody who's feeling burnt out, you don't want to put another obligation on their calendar, right? So when you're creating different activities, you need to come up with activities that actually would be really beneficial to them or are fun, right? Fun, stress-relieving activities. Laughter is such a huge stress reliever, right? In that moment when you're laughing and you're just having a good time with other people, you forget about your troubles for a brief period of time. You get lost in the moment. And so that's why we launched with the game nights to really just to provide that outlet of fun and laughter. And the beginning of the game nights, we have an icebreaker where you sit with another healthcare professional and you get to know them. And we ask not, oh, what's the weather like? We ask what's on your bucket list? Questions that really dig deep. How do you want people to feel when they're around you? And this is a patient-free zone. And so we don't talk anything patient. It's really just talking about yourself and then playing games and laughing. And then we extended it out to an educational series where we were bringing in different professionals, like malpractice attorneys, financial planners, in to talk to the audience of avatars. They're an avatar themselves. They come in as an avatar and they talk to an audience of avatars. You can go and ask your question. You know, because many healthcare professionals and professionals in general, not just healthcare, when you reach a certain part, a certain period of your career and you feel like I should know this already, but you don't know it, but then you feel like you should know it so that you don't want to ask the questions that you really need to ask so you could know it and grow and continue developing. This kind of takes away that, right? Because if you show up as a, you're, some leader in some big organization, but your avatar's name is Candle, and Candle asked a question of this financial planner or whatnot. Who knows Candle is this big shot leader? Nobody knows unless you tell them, unless Candle, you say, hey guys, my real name is this and I am this. Nobody will know, but you can still engage and you can still get 
what you need to fill your soul, to fill your cup. And then you take that with you, you go back into your world. And that is essentially how I use the metaverse is to be this place where you can leave your real world, right? And go into this virtual world where you can learn, connect, grow, and then come back into your real world and apply the stuff that you learned in your day-to-day to make your life better to improve your relationships. We haven't rolled these out, but these will be rolled out. Crucial conversations or conflicts with coworkers or whatnot and role-playing those things out, right? As an avatar, getting feedback from the group and then going back into your work environment and trying it out, right? And then coming back to the group and telling us how it went. There's a lot of different utilities that I've used the Metaverse platform for. The other thing I held an all-day wellness retreat for everyone. So it wasn't just for healthcare professionals because, you know, my hat as the metaverse doc, I reach out to other people outside of the healthcare, but hope for med is just healthcare professionals. And so with that retreat, I had seven professional speakers come in and each of them tackled one dimension of wellness. And then there's several different avatars in the audience and it was literally an all day experience, but it was like a conference, a meeting. And we were from all over the world and Africa and Spain and throughout the US all together in this meeting call in the metaverse. And the best thing about that experience was when it was all said and done, none of us had to get on an airplane. None of us had to go sleep in a hotel. We turned off our computers and went back to our lives, went to our kid's soccer game or slept in our own bed. And that's another beauty of the metaverse and doing work in the metaverse. I love that. And particularly, like you say, that opportunity to do role-playing, to practice, to get feedback and then try, because that's the problem with most trainings that we have. It's, oh, here's the knowledge. And we know for behavior change, knowledge is not sufficient to actually lead to behavior change. You need to develop the skills and you need opportunities for practice and feedback. So I love that you're using it in that way. But again, in that situation, that anonymity is so important because you could be getting feedback from, as you say, someone very senior and it could be intimidating and you could feel bad about yourself or something if you knew who they were. But this anonymous feedback without any power dynamics is so valuable. So maybe I want to also pick up on one point there because psychological safety is so important. And and one of the examples you gave is, you know, if you should know this thing and you're afraid to ask it, Recently, I was listening to Daisy Olga Dominguez's book, The Inclusion Revolution. And I felt like something that really stuck out to me that I hadn't heard in other work and seen in other books was the fear that she said women of color were experiencing to actually ask those questions that could improve their careers because they're already being assumed to be less competent because of stereotypes that have come before. So in terms of where this work intersects, particularly with the larger challenges and barriers that women of color have, who are also so important in medical fields for them to be able to be there for patients and as researchers who understand their communities. Tell me a little bit more about how this can help in that situation. I agree with you that representation really matters. And so 
in the metaverse, again, your avatar can look however you want. I could show up as a Asian male, right? It doesn't matter. And so these stereotypes or these biases that we have when we see a person, those kind of get handicapped or eliminated because you realize, oh, this person talking to me right now is not an Asian male. So maybe I can't use these regular biases that I would have applied to them. And I actually have to listen to what it is that they are saying to me. I don't believe in colorblindness at all, but I can show up as a Black woman or I can show up however I care to show up. And so that is one of the beauties of this platform, right? So in addition to that, in terms of the opportunities to be able to have crucial conversations and DEI conversations, those opportunities are limitless in the metaverse setting. But just because you are an avatar that doesn't look like yourself, you could end up having some really deep conversations with other people that you may not feel comfortable necessarily having in the day-to-day. I think it's more about just having opportunities to practice it, right? Because the more you get practice doing it, even in these virtual worlds, then you'll be more comfortable and confident going into your real world and having these same conversations. But it's just an opportunity or place to practice, like you mentioned. Yeah. And I think that's such an important point because again, that is the fear of some white people is that they're going to make mistakes and make things worse. So they need opportunities to practice, but where do they get that in a safe space for them in their fear of making mistakes? So again, it can work across different races, different identities. I love that. It really seems like a perfect solution. Are you trying to expand this to other companies or how could companies take this up? Yes, I'm definitely available to consult with other companies and really see what would be a good fit for them. The metaverse and virtual worlds, all of that is new, right? We are at the beginning of the future. And so the sooner companies adopt this new reality and start creating their digital twin, the better off they're going to be in the future because people may try to pretend as if this is not really what's happening, but this is happening. Like this is happening here and now. And if a company or a person wants to be like put on blindfolds and pretend, then they're going to be left behind because this is the direction that everything is taking. They're all going into these virtual worlds. They're going to augmented reality, virtual reality, all of those things is the direction. And as the metaverse doc, and as a doctor in real life, what do we do? People come with concerns and we try to address it and fix it. And so in the metaverse doc, like I'm not providing medical services, like I'm not being your ER doctor in the metaverse, but I am trying to provide solutions to problems and challenges that you have in your life or in your business and help make your life better. Great. So you also play a role as a medical doctor in the metaverse too. Right now, I am not playing a role as a medical doctor. So for Hope for Men, like you can only join it if you're a healthcare professional, but it's just healthcare professionals getting together and connecting on a human to human level, right? And providing peer support and things like that. In the future, yes, you will be able to provide medical service like teletherapy and telehealth. 
definitely can be provided in the metaverse, right? It's already Tela. There are some metaverse platforms that are looking into providing more than that, but even that's super, super early. But the things that can happen right now today is the teletherapy definitely, and then telemedicine services can definitely happen in the metaverse right now. Great. That's fantastic to hear. So what are some of the barriers that you still think healthcare workers are facing and what can we do to overcome some of those? Particularly, I'm thinking this shift that we've seen in how patients treat doctors that wasn't there before. There was that sort of, not necessarily always a good thing, that sort of high respect for doctors. But since COVID, doctors have now on the receiving end of abuse. And actually, it's part of their safety that we need to ensure going forward. And that's what is part of the Surgeon General's resolutions for healthcare worker burnout. So anything else that you can say, thinking of listeners who are patients and how they can better understand what doctors are going through so that they can maybe have more compassion for their carers when they see them? I think one of the things that is very challenging for patients is really acknowledging that when you are in a healthcare setting, you are not the only patient there. I think that's important for them to know that we cannot go into your room and talk about the 20 or 30 other patients we are seeing and juggling at the same time. But I think acknowledging that will hopefully allow them to have a little bit more patience with their healthcare professional and understand why it is that they're not being seen as soon as they get there because their doctor, nurse or whatnot may be also working with other uh, patients and stuff like that. There is a lot of stress and that kind of is one of the things that leads to burnout, right? Uncontrolled stress. And there are things that are in our control, but there's a lot of things that are outside of our control. And there's been a lot of turnover amongst healthcare professionals. And so staffing is a real challenge in a lot of healthcare settings. And that affects the patient. It affects how quickly they're able to be seen, how quickly they get the results and all of those things. And in terms of helping in that respect, if you acknowledge that, okay, I'm not the only person that this doctor or nurse or whatever is taking care of, when the healthcare professional walks into your room, the last thing they want is to be berated by a patient. That's the last thing they want because that actually doesn't help anything. It just creates a strained relationship between you and the healthcare professional. And they may want to get out of your room as soon as possible, right? And, and that will affect yeah, maybe not your service, but you might not see that healthcare professional as frequently as if you were like not angry and yelling at them when they walked into the room. That anger and yelling at them contributes to them being stressed out and burnt out and affecting their mental wellness and whatnot. Because even as stoic as a person may be, it still gets through, right? It still gets through. Not everything, but things will still get through. So those are kind of the things that I think from a patient's perspective, that would be really beneficial to healthcare professionals. In terms of barriers for healthcare professionals, I think this whole idea of perfectionism is something that still needs to be combated amongst healthcare professionals because being not perfect does not mean that you're incompetent, right? Being imperfect means that you are a human being and human beings make mistakes, right? So it's not about making the mistake but it's about learning from the mistake. What can you learn from the situation that you can apply the next time something like this comes around? 
if you keep trying to put on this air that you're perfect, right? And then when you make a mistake, then sometimes you may hide that mistake. And that's all psychological safety part, right? If you're working in an environment where there is no psychological safety, because we're all human beings, we are all going to make mistakes. If you are in an environment that provides psychological safety, when a mistake occurs, that is like a gigantic learning opportunity. Not when everything's going well. Everything's going well. Nobody cares. Nobody learns anything. But it's when there's mistakes. That's where you find, oh, where is the flaw in my system and how do I fix it? But if people are afraid that they're going to be berated and they may lose their job or something else horrible may happen, they're not going to talk about the mistake, even how subtle of a mistake it could have been. Because these subtle ones, if you catch these subtle ones, they can prevent a bigger one from happening, right? And so really creating an environment where we talk about psychological safety, where people can share and not feel like there's going to be some adverse repercussion from them stating what they saw or what they see is not working well or what they think is an area of concern and things like that. Because that's what you want. You want people to find what's not working. You don't want good news. Everything's great. You want, okay, fine. Everything's great. Tell me what's the one thing that you saw today that was not great. However small or, you know, it is. What's the one, just scratch your head and tell me one bad thing you saw. That's one of the ways to be able to start creating psychological safety is everybody tell me one bad thing that you saw or here's an anonymous box, write down the one area of concern that you notice in our working environment today. And then the organization needs to act on those in terms of like transparency, or if they don't act on something, explain why are we not acting on this right now? Or where is this in our to-do list? Well, we're going to go ahead and target the low-hanging fruits, right? Oh, there was a spill somewhere and there was no sign that says wet floor. Okay, we're going to go ahead and work on making sure we have more signs available to be able to say where there's wet floors. But those, like, those can help companies, be it hospitals or clinics or other organizations, so much in their revenue stream and beyond. And then it can help the employees start feeling like, oh, they really care about my concerns, right? When you think about getting buy-in and employees feeling like they're part of something and not just going in to get a paycheck, that's how you started is by listening to them and by welcoming in the bad news, not the good news, but the bad news. And I think that's so important because, again, there sometimes is that optimism bubble of the leaders or the CEOs thinking that's their job is to keep this positivity going. But the way you said it there is they care about my concerns. Like we do, we all have fears. Like I mentioned, when I heard those fears that women of color are experiencing, if we think about the fears that we have that we really don't share. When I went through my burnout, that's what I realized. I was living so much from a place of fear. And so it is, it's so important that we do see that side of things, concerns that people have and acknowledge them. And then, as you say, if you're going to ask one listen, if you're going to listen, be willing to act. Because again, that process of being heard, but then 
you're not having any action around it. As I say, even if it's that there is a reason for inaction, because that breaks trust. People will not give you their time and energy again to share their concerns if you don't act in response. So just to end then, tell me a little bit, you've got so many hats and you're doing so much work. And again, as a woman having a medical career, as a mother having a medical career, plus the entrepreneurial innovations that you're also doing, tell me, how do you manage your burnout in your current roles? (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's really more so about carving out time, right? time for self-care, time for reflection. And sometimes in carving out that time, you have to let go of something. So I just keep adding it. Yeah, and it's true. And if you just continue to add and add, then you are 100% going to get burnt out because regardless of whatever you try, there's always just 24 hours in one day and that's it. And within that 24 hours, you need to sleep, you need to eat and you need to use the bathroom. It's like basic things that are going to happen that are going to eat up some of that time. And then you need to go ahead and split up your time with everything else that's going on. And so for me, when I start feeling like I'm really stressed and feel like I'm stretched out really thin, then I cut back on certain things. And learning how to say no or the art of saying no is extremely important, especially for women, because we are notoriously not the greatest in terms of just saying no. But those two letters are some of the most powerful things. That is one of the most powerful words in the entire world. Because when you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. Right. And so if you say no to, you know, this meeting, right, you're saying yes to maybe an extra hour or two this evening for you to be able to unwind and relax and things like that. And I'm not going to say that it's easy because it's not, right? Juggling being a a physician, mom, a wife, an entrepreneur, it's definitely challenging. But I have realized that I really needed to take back the lotus of control with everything, right? And so I've made some shifts in my work as an emergency room doctor and to the point where I have a little bit more control over my schedule that allows me to be able to integrate my work and my life better than I have had in the beginning of this journey. Perfect. That's such great examples. And I agree, it's a challenge to say no. And again, we need to practice it. But sometimes we're penalized if we're seen to be the person that's supposed to be the giver, the volunteer, doing the office housework, then saying no, then we're not meeting those stereotypes and can be penalized for it. So it is an ongoing challenge for sure. But certainly in terms of trying to take control back of your time, it's so important. So I love that your metaverse experience is that you're encouraging people to have something to look forward to. So what are you looking forward to next? I'm looking forward to expanding upon the offerings in the metaverse and expanding the audience who has access to these offerings. Because in terms of time, I think time is so precious, right? It's one of the greatest gifts you can give anybody is your time and your attention. And doing activities in the metaverse actually can help you save so much time like we had mentioned before in terms of the travel and expense too, right? Because all these things that you would have normally been spending excess money on you're not doing that anymore and yet you're able to be able to participate in these engaging experiences you're able to feel connected to a community and of course choice is yours right so you 
have the right to be able to give as much information about yourself to other people that you're talking with as you want, right? You can exchange virtual cards with other people. Like I have networking in the metaverse events. And yeah, I encourage people to bring your virtual card. If you don't have a virtual card, I can help you create a virtual card that talks about your business and what you're doing. And you can easily exchange it with each other, with the other avatar that you're meeting and growing your networks. And yeah, so those are all the things I'm really excited for in this upcoming year. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope the podcast brings you fresh ideas, renewed confidence and energy to keep leading change. If you need a partner in these efforts, I can help you effectively build a thriving workplace culture for all. I'll help you overcome the real barriers to change you face every day and help you lead real change with evidence-based solutions. In particular, I want to work with passionate leaders who have tried and failed. Because I know you have what it takes and your experience will help you clearly recognize the difference I can make. For a free consultation today, please visit my website at www.leading-real-change.com. That's www.leadingrealchange.com. Feel the power Everything that you need